love him. Praise the Lord. God bless you.
Come on, we serve a great God. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, Grace Church. Can we just do that right now? With everything that's within us, can we pour out our praise? Can we pour out our praise to a great God? To the one who gave us life. To the, to the one who gave us redemption. To the one that is worthy of all of our praise. Oh, all over the building, I just wish a shout of praise would go up to a great God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you. God, we owe you the very breath in our lungs. God, we owe you our very life. We owe you our salvation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise you today. We praise you today. Thank you, Jesus. Do you feel the presence of God today? Hallelujah. 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 Somebody said, he's God, and he's good. And I believe that today. He's God, and he's good. Amen. And if what you're going through today, where you're at in your life, right at this moment, does not look good, I would just tell you that he's not finished yet. And I can say that with confidence, because the scripture says, all things work together for good. It's not that all things are good. All things work together for good to them that are called according to the promise. I'm a, I told somebody this week, all those things that we went through that began in 2016 in our family and really didn't end until uh, way into 2018. Since that time, all that trial, all that that wilderness experience, since that time, these last five years, we have just been living in the overflow and in the best of what God has. I can testify today that all things work together for good. And I can testify that He is God and He is good. Oh, if you believe that in the house, would you clap your hands to Jesus? Oh, you're a good God. You're a good God. And we're standing here today. I just love that song they sang. We're standing here today because it is His breath in our lungs. And as long as He gives us breath, I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to give Him my all. Amen. Amen. I do want to thank the praise team for leading us into the presence of God as they always do. And I want to give a special shout out, special recognition to Mr. Heston Bunch on the JV team played bass for the entire, entire worship set. And uh, did a fantastic job. So proud of him and so proud of all of our JV, our, our JV singers, our JV band. Uh, the entire JV team helped Sister Farah and the Sunday school uh, staff last Sunday at a rally next door for our kids for Easter Sunday. I think they were all involved in that. Our JV team is doing a tremendous job, and I want to just give them some recognition today. And you'll be seeing more and hearing more from them in the coming days. Amen. As Brother Ben said, I do welcome everyone here today. Glad you're here, especially our guests. Glad you're here with us on campus. If you're joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, thank you for making this service a part of your day. And we pray that it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Let's go to the Word of God today. I'm going to go to Colossians. Read some of Paul's writings today. Colossians chapter 1, verses 25 through 27. Uh, and as you're turning there, as you're preparing to see it on the screen, last Sunday, of course, was Easter. 
And uh, the next great event uh, that happened after Easter, of course, was Jesus ascending into heaven. And then he told them to go and tarry and wait for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. And it's not Pentecost Sunday yet. It's coming. Um, but I'm going to preach today with an eye towards Pentecost Sunday. Uh, great event following Easter, of course. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, 25 through 27. Paul, we're picking up in the middle of, of Paul's discourse here. Uh, this, so this is Paul talking. Whereof I am made a minister, he says. I want you to read carefully with me the wording and the, 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 the way he um, explains this and opens this up to us. According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26, even the mystery, he calls it a mystery, which hath been hid. It's been hidden from ages and from generations. But now, now, everybody say now. Now is made manifest to his saints. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And what is that mystery? He tells us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What a passage, what a promise, what a word. And so from that today, I want to uh, speak from this thought, sharing in the mystery. Sharing in the mystery. One more time, could we go to the Lord in prayer over the rest of this service? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence that's here. God, I pray you'd anoint the preaching of your word, anoint our minds and hearts to receive, and we'll be careful to give you the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you today, and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. Sharing in the mystery. God is a sovereign God. He is much bigger and greater than we can imagine. He is the creator of the universe. The Jews call him the master of the universe. When we were kids in the 80s, there was an entire line of toys called Master of the Universe. We weren't allowed to play with them. My parents told us, said, there's only one Master of the Universe, and that's not it. So they didn't let us have Masters of the Universe. But the neighbors had them, and so we just went over there and just kind of picked up the, picked up the mantle. God is the master of the universe. He's the creator of humankind, human beings. He's the creator of all the world and they that dwell therein. He's the creator of the universe, larger than we can fathom, greater than we can explain, more than we will ever know this side of eternity. Simply put, God's ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. Um, Isaiah said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so, so are his ways and his thoughts higher than ours. And there, owing to that fact, there are some mysteries, some things of God, some understanding about his ways that we just never will fathom. Some mysteries that will just never be revealed this side of eternity, simply because he's God and he's chosen not to share them with us. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 29, said, The secret things 
belong unto the Lord our God. As the sovereign and uncreated one, there are secrets he has, things he knows that he doesn't share with us. If you find that unsettling today, don't, because that's actually the way it's supposed to be. Basil Hume said it this way. He said, our age dislikes intensely the idea of mystery because it directly exposes our limitations. The thought that there could be something or someone beyond human comprehension or imagining is, of course, exciting, but it is also belittling. It puts us in our place, and that place is not in the center. That's what Basil Hume said. Bill Johnson said he is either greater than we can understand, perceive, describe, or imagine, or he is not God. We are. So the mystery of God, the things that we don't understand, should not unsettle us. It just tells us that he's God and we're not. We'll never know everything about God. We'll never plumb the depth of the riches of his word, the wisdom of his ways. Sometimes we may feel like the psalmist when he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is lofty or high, I cannot attain it. It's just some things God doesn't share. For example, God doesn't share with us his needs if he had any. He doesn't have physical needs like we do, but even if he did, he wouldn't share them with us. Psalm 50 and 12, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. God has not, under, has not shared with us a full understanding of creation. We understand that he spoke and the worlds came into being, but the, the, the minute processes and how that all happened and, and what all went into creation we'll never quite understand. And in fact, God called Job out in Job 38 and, and put him to the test and quizzed him and said, Job, what can you tell me? About creation, Job 38, 4. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. And God, throughout that chapter, goes on and continues with some very probing questions. He asked Job, can you match my understanding of constellations and stars in their courses? Can, can you possess my knowledge of botany and biology? How are you doing on your physical science and geology exams there, Job? God said, Job, I'm not even going to try to explain to you the secret treasures of the snow or where the lightning comes from or how to harness the darkness. These are things that I'm not going to share with you, Job, and I challenge you to try to explain them to me. God has chosen in his sovereignty not to share his glory with anyone. He, not, he does not share his glory with anyone. Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to another Neither my praise to graven images. Uh, he says, I am the Lord in, in uh, 45.5 and there is none else. There is no God beside me. No flesh will glory in God's presence because his glory is for him and him alone. Moses asked one time if he could see God's glory. And God told Moses, said, no, you can't see my glory. And that brings us to the next thing that God did not share and that was his face. He told Moses, you cannot see my face. Exodus 33, again, Moses asking God to see his glory. And God says, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you can stand upon the rock. And it shall come to pass 
when my glory passes by, that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take my, away my hand and you shall see my back parts, but my face will not be seen. Moses wasn't allowed to see God's face that day. And in fact, humanity would have to wait thousands of years until the birth of Jesus Christ before they looked upon the face of God. And that brings us to the next thing that God did not share with humans at least for a very, very long time. And that was his name. God chose not to share his name for thousands of years. They knew him in the Old Testament as I am. They called him Yahweh. Sometimes they called him Jehovah. And they would hyphenate uh, Jehovah uh, with other descriptive terms such as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. All these described attributes of God, but they did not identify His name. Isaiah got close in a prophetic outpouring when he said, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But it still came short of a revelation of the mystery of God's name. But I am thankful today that that is one mystery God has revealed to us in our time. For when that angel told Mary, you're going to give birth to a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I'm thankful today that we live in a day that he has revealed the name of God to us. And that name is Jesus. Is the only saving name that we know. Praise God. Praise God. So there are things that God has not shared or that has only opened up in his good time. The mystery of God. The secrets of his power and might. I don't know that there's really any reason that God has to share anything with us. Again, he is God and we're not. But again, in his sovereignty, in his power, in his might. There is one mystery in particular, of course, lifted from our text today. That we are blessed enough to live in a day and a time that God has made known unto us. It's a mystery that I believe is the greatest mystery of all. And it's the one I believe God just could not help himself in revealing to us at the right time. The psalmist declared... In Psalm 25, 14, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will show them his covenant. That's a promise. It's a prophetic promise that God's covenant would be revealed in due time. And it's that prophetic promise of covenant that Paul unpacks to us in his letter to the Colossians. He opens up to us that this great sovereign God with all all the things about him that we don't understand this side of eternity, could not help but let us in on a marvelous, marvelous mystery, a sublime secret. Paul begins by explaining to us, and I want you to get this, that this mystery that has been revealed was before hidden for ages and ages and generations and generations. It was a secret That God chose to keep hidden. Echoing this, Paul wrote to the Romans something very similar. In 25 of of, uh, chapter 16, he says, Now to him 
that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret from, uh, since the world began. This secret had been kept a long time. This mystery had been hidden for a long time. From the time of the fall in the garden down through the centuries across the Old Testament, they had to be content with hints and foreshadow of how God would fully reconcile with humanity in its sinful and fallen state. The prophets caught glimpses of it and recorded it. David got all up in it at times when he had moments caught up uh, when the Holy Ghost would come upon him, but it was never inside him. Jesus gave the disciples a really big hint when he said, I am currently with you, but there's coming a day when I shall be in you. Uh, they didn't get it at that time. In fact, no one got it. No one knew what was coming. It was a mystery of God kept to himself all those ages and generations until... Until, until God decided it was time to make known the riches of the glory of the mystery. What is that mystery? I'm so thankful that Paul let us in on that little secret. He tells us it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The greatest revelation God ever gave was when he said, I want to dwell inside the lives of every man, woman, boy, and girl, and I will pour out my spirit on everyone who believes. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory, and it's been revealed in our time. Oh, I'm thankful to be partakers of the mystery today. I'm thankful that we live in a day when the Holy Ghost is available to us to live on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 2 records exactly how this revelation was poured out, how it came to be. After the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we just commemorated last Sunday, Jesus ascended into, into the heavens and asked his followers, said, go hang out in the upper room in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Wait for the mystery to be fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And they, uh, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Finally, get this. This is the, to me it's so beautiful, it's so powerful what Paul has unpacked. After all those ages, after all those generations, since the beginning of time, finally, the mystery was revealed. The Holy Ghost was poured out on humanity for the first time. And it opened up the church age. Paul calls it in our writing today the dispensation of the gospel. It opens up the church age, giving all of us the amazing privilege of sharing in the mystery and the knowledge that the Holy Ghost belongs to us in this generation. Note what Paul says again, writing to the Romans in chapter 16. But now, now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. 
I'm telling you today, we live in that generation. And it is for every nation, for every tribe, for every creed. It's for the young. It's for the old. It's for the rich. It's for the poor. It is for you. It is for me. It is for us to share in the mystery of God, the infilling of the Holy Ghost in us all. And I think one more time we ought to just thank God and, and, and celebrate the power of God working in us. We are the ones God has chosen to share in that mystery. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, when you have the Spirit of God living only inside of you, it is more than just an experience only. It is an experience. It's the most amazing experience you'll ever have. But there is so much more than just an experience. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you become partakers of a better covenant. And in that covenant, the Holy Ghost brings so many things to our life. The Bible says it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, that's just the power of God imparting His righteousness to our life. Peace, who couldn't use peace in their life in this day and age? Uh, joy. If you wonder why people that are filled with the Holy Ghost have so much joy, it's because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's even more than that, though. The Scripture tells us that the Holy Ghost is the comforter. Oh, we need comforter today in our lives. The Holy Ghost is the comforter. It brings power upon us to witness, power to pray, power to see miracles performed, and power over the enemy. The Bible says the Holy Ghost is our guide. It says it's our teacher. It says that the Holy Ghost unlocks other gifts of the Spirit in the church. And it tells us that the Holy Ghost brings resurrection power. For in Romans 8, 11, Paul again writing says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell also in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. That's the mystery of the power of Christ, the hope of glory, bringing resurrection power to every believer. He didn't give it to Moses in his generation. He didn't give it to David in his generation. Daniel, with all of his prophetic revelation, didn't get to share in it. We are the generation that gets to share in the mystery. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Oh, if there's anybody in the house that's ever experienced the mystery of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, I pray you would identify that right now by lifting your voice and clapping your hands and giving God praise for the greatest gift that could ever be given, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, one more time, clap your hands to Jesus. I want to spend some, a few moments here, some time talking about the fact that Paul very specifically mentions in our writing that this gift, this mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory, very specifically he says it is given to the Gentiles. He was writing to the Colossians, uh, the, the city of Coloss, Colossae, um, a Gentile nation, Gentile city rather, Roman. And uh, Paul very, makes a very uh, specific point 
He wants us to know that the Gentiles have this great experience opened up to them. Gentiles, of course, as you and me, uh, non-Jews would be the Gentiles. It's incredible that, uh, or I should say as incredible, as incredible as Acts chapter 2 is, that I quoted from just a moment ago, that initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. God, uh, again, Jesus said, I was with you, but now I'm going to be in you. All that came to great prophetic fulfillment in Acts chapter 2. It was awesome. It was amazing. But let us not overlook or pass by how that experience was opened up to the Gentiles. On the day of Pentecost, it was Jews. It was the disciples, 120. And then about 3,000 later that day was opened up uh, the gift and the experience of the Holy Ghost. But that was a Jewish audience. In Acts chapter 8, we read about the Samaritans receiving the Holy Ghost. But when we get to Acts chapter 10, we read about this beautiful uh, opening up of the revelation of the mystery of Christ dwelling in us, the hope of glory, to the Gentiles. And again, I want to emphasize that's you and me, non-Jewish audience, you and me. The very fact that God poured out the Holy Ghost on Gentiles at all was a tough barrier for Peter and the other disciples to get through. But stop today with me and consider the impact, the dramatic fashion in which God revealed this mystery to the Gentiles. It's Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. You'll see it on your screen. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the Roman or of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Now I've invited Cornelius to church today. Uh, can you fellas help me and let Cornelius know he should be just standing right there? Here he comes. Here's Cornelius. Come on out, brother Cornelius. Come stand right up here with me. Now, this is Owen Cooper, and I appreciate his help, but today he's Cornelius. I want you to take a good look at him. Just stand right there for me while I preach a little while, Cornelius. I hope that when you, that you see this Roman soldier right here, and I hope that it conjures up every Easter drama, every Easter film, whatever you have seen. Just last week when we were talking about Easter, we, got, we had the chance this year to go see uh, Messiah at the POA. The very first thing you see when you drive up on their parking lot is Roman soldiers. They're standing at the door. They've got torches. They've got spears. They've got swords. They're in the full armor. And, and then about fifth, once you get in the building, about 15 minutes before the drama starts, uh, they, they go on a march, the Roman soldiers do, around the auditorium. And they're beating on the drums. And they're, they're uh, lockstep in that march. And they're, they're making a lot of noise. And, and the whole idea is to get the feeling of intimidation, the feeling of power, the feeling of domination that that nation, the Roman nation, had over, over the Jews and the, Ju- uh, the Judean provinces. They were in absolute domination and control. Cornelius was a Roman centurion. We read past that because in the scripture Luke says he was a centurion of the Italian band. But that's Rome. That was Roman centurion. Cornelius 
was over a regiment of at least 100 men in the region of Caesarea or Caesarea. And, and that was his deal. I don't know if Cornelius was at the crucifixion, but he was representative of those Roman soldiers, representative of those Roman centurions, the ones that under Pilate's command took Jesus out and with a cat of nine tails flogged him on the back within an inch of his life. It was the Roman centurions that drug him out and took nine-inch nails and drove them into the hands and feet of Jesus. It was the Roman centurion that gambled for his clothes as he hung on that cross dying. It was the Roman centurion that took a spear and jabbed it in his side to make sure that he was dead. It was a Roman soldier that knelt and said, surely he must be the son of God. And it was a Roman centurion that had absolute domination and intimidation. Those disciples didn't know if they were coming for them next. And I can only imagine that when they knocked on Peter's door in Acts chapter 10 and said, is Peter home? Uh, Cornelius the Roman centurion wants to see him. I can only imagine. Not only was he a Gentile, and Peter had some forbidding about that, but he was a Roman soldier. Peter didn't know if he was about to be arrested and crucified himself. He had no idea what to expect, but God had given him a vision and said, Peter, don't be afraid to go and talk to, to Cornelius about the gospel. Here's the point. When God chose to pour out the mystery of the infilling of the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles. He he chose a battle-hardened, crusty, mean, intimidating, uh, angry, uh, just authoritative Roman centurion to pour out the Holy Ghost on and open it up for all of the Gentiles. For Peter, for the end of the chapter says this, Peter, while Peter yet spake the word to Cornelius in his household, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word and they believed and were astonished because the, on the Gentiles was poured out the Holy Ghost also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. I'm thankful today that through a Roman centurion named Cornelius, God opened up the mystery of the infilling of the Holy Ghost to Gentiles from that day all the way up until now. You and I are enjoying the riches of the Holy Ghost Because a Roman centurion halfway through the first century was filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, speaking in tongues. Thank you, Cornelius. Oh, let's give God another shout of praise. If he can fill a Roman centurion with the Holy Ghost, he can fill you with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Who knows how many, you may be seated, who knows how many, who knows how many, of Cornelius' household. How many in his regiment received the Holy Ghost that day? But the Bible does say his whole household was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it opened up the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles. And I'm happy to tell you today that this mystery is one that we're still sharing in today. The Holy Ghost is still being poured out today. Some, some time ago, I think it's been a couple of years ago now, I was so excited to tell you about it. I had read, I'd read a story about uh, um, a former Nazi. This guy was a, um, 
this guy had joined the, uh, the Hitler Youth League in Germany in the early 40s. He didn't know what he was doing, didn't he? he just got caught up in the propaganda. And through a long chain of events, he wound up in Kokomo, Indiana, and in his 90s, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And he was baptized in Jesus' name. It was an awesome story. But today, as awesome as that story is, I want to tell you another story. Happened just a couple of years ago with one of our missionaries in Paris. It's kind of the other side of history. It's the other side of the story. This man's name is Joseph. And he, Joseph, is an 89-year-old Auschwitz concentration camp survivor. As a Polish Jew, he, he survived Auschwitz. He immigrated to England and on to Ireland after the war. He eventually converted to Christianity and became uh, an evangelical minister. And uh, he eventually uh, wound up in Paris. Uh, he began preaching the gospel in the synagogue in Paris. And many of his friends there in the synagogue received the Holy Ghost. And a couple of years ago, the missionary family in Paris, the, the Bracas family, uh, made contact with Joseph there in the hotel where he lives, opened up the, the gospel to him more fully, preached Jesus to him. And I want you to look at this picture. At 89 years old, he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, coming up out of the water. What I'm telling you is the mystery is still being revealed. What I'm telling you now is they said Joseph walks up and down the streets of Paris. He'll tell anybody that'll listen to him that the Holy Ghost is for you today and that you can be baptized in Jesus' name today. What I'm telling you is simply this, that the mystery is still being revealed. Any age, any nationality, doesn't matter, young or old, rich or poor, the mystery is still being shared. We're still receiving the outpouring of the Holy Ghost for anybody that believes, anybody that wants it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I know, I know, I know, I know Joseph there, he's 89, he lives, he lives in another country, and, uh, and, and that's kind of, that's a little bit of a stretch, okay, I know, all right, so let's go, let's go to the other end of the spectrum, all right, let's go, uh, where, uh, young Keegan's right here, Keegan, wave your hand, stand up and wave your hand, buddy, Keegan, right here, local, Keegan, how old are you, Keegan is six, a couple of, well, maybe three or four Sundays ago, five Sundays ago, in the altar service, uh, we were just praying. I noticed a group of young men standing around right here uh, praying. And I looked down, and, uh, man, the Holy Ghost was just on Keegan. I mean, it looked like he was just about ready to speak in tongues. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. I was trying to, was trying to understand, okay, is he going or coming, right? Like, did he get the Holy Ghost and he's coming out of it? Or is he about, just trying to get the feel? So I asked Braylon, I said, does he always pray like this? And uh, Braylon said, well, no, not really. And so uh, we, I said, well, let's gather around him and pray. It looks like he's about to get the Holy Ghost. And in just a few moments, Keegan began speaking in other tongues as God gave him the Holy Ghost. Six years old, not 89, not in Paris, right here at Grace Church, six years old, sharing in the mystery of the infilling of Christ Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then... You may be seated. Thank you. Tanner, wave, stand up, wave your hand. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we went to a statewide youth rally in Tioga. And, uh, man, there were so many kids there, students, sorry, students. There were so many students there. And when they gave the altar call, man, we tried to get down there and pray with our, our students. And we, just, we couldn't even find them. We couldn't even see them. 
And uh, Sister Kelly told Ferris, said, uh, said, see if you can find Tanner. He came tonight uh, with the express purpose to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost before he leaves. He wants to know, he, ha- he wants to receive it and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's received it. And so, well, then we got a little bit of urgency about us. We were like, okay, well, we got to find these students now and get to praying with them. So we did. We, we elbowed, you know, and stepped over some people and pushed some people out of the way and got down there, found our group. And again, I, it looked to me like Tanner, I, I couldn't tell if he was going or coming. I thought well, maybe he'd already received it. He was close. And I asked, I think it might have been Hinesley was standing there, one of them. I said, has he received the Holy Ghost? And he said, no, not yet. And this is what's so beautiful about that moment is that, um, is that he was so close. He was right there. Just You could tell he was about to speak in tongues. And I just had a moment of inspiration. And, and all this, what, what I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you this is sometimes you just need a little faith boost. And, and, and sometimes you just got to know that it is God's will for you to receive the Holy Ghost. And I want to say that right now. It is God's will for everyone to receive the Holy Ghost. It is. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. And so I just had a moment of inspiration just right there. Uh, it was just a little faith builder. I said, Tanner, I said, more people have received the Holy Ghost on this spot than anywhere else in North America. And that is true. More people have received the Holy Ghost on the campground than anywhere else in North America. It's documented. And when I said that, I laid my hands on him and he immediately began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that another one of our young people share in the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is for you. It is for me. It is for today. It is for today. One more. Brittany. You stole my sermon Wednesday night. Man, when, I'm telling you, I knew what I was preaching today. And uh, when Wednesday night, I was like, the whole time, I was like, I got to put that in my notes. I got to put that in my notes. I got to put that. Uh, Anthony, Brittany, God's doing so much for them. Melanie been, has been teaching them a Bible study for a very long time. And just here recently, Brittany saw the revelation, the need to have Christ in me, the hope of glory, and to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and so she, she saw that, and they were so excited, and God just opened that up to her. The, the revelation of the mystery. And just Wednesday night, a lot of you were here, but if you weren't, let me just tell you the story. Wednesday night, Brittany came down standing right there, lifted her hands. Tears began to flow. And in just a couple of moments, God filled her with a Holy Ghost, evidence speaking in tongues. She's going to be baptized next Sunday because Christ in you, the hope of glory, is still being revealed every day to every man, woman, boy, and girl. It is for us today. It is the greatest gift that you can receive. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Musicians, come. I'm closing. Musicians, come and help me. Ah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, I quote it regularly in prayer just because I love it so much, and it's such a faith builder. John chapter 7, verses uh, 37 through 39. uh, The scripture says, That same day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What was he talking about? 
This spake he of the Spirit, which they which believe on him should receive. He was prophetically crying out that the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out. And it happened just as we've described in Acts chapter 2. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. And as, as we get ready to pray, this is what I want you to, to have the mindset. This is what I want to happen. I want everybody here today that wants the Holy Ghost to receive it. Even if you've received it before. I want us all to be refilled with the Holy Ghost today. I pray every day, every day I pray, God, refill me with the Holy Ghost. Refill my family with the Holy Ghost. And fill my home with the Holy Ghost. I pray that every day. I, and so it, you, if you've, if you've uh, had the Holy Ghost 50 years, you can be refilled again today. You can be refreshed every day. And if you've never had the Holy Ghost, I want to tell you today, God wants to pour that out for you. I want to tell you again, it is the will of God for you to receive the Holy Ghost. And I just feel like Acts chapter 10 again here today, when it said that the, when, when Peter spoke the word, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. I just believe that the Holy Ghost is going to fall today on all them that heard the word. I believe it's going to happen here in just a moment. Amen. Amen. And so it's real easy. All you have to do, and I know uh, Sunday school teachers, you've been working with some of our kids, our children, and some of them are primed and ready. They want to receive the Holy Ghost. Students, kids, today can be your day. Today is your day. Amen. Amen. And so all you have to do is come down here and lift your hands. Peter opened it up on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts, sometimes the baptism happened before they received the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it happened after. But the important thing is, is that when you repent of your sins and say, God, I'm sorry for living life my way. I want to live life your way. He forgives you. That opens up the, the, uh, your heart for the uh, Holy Ghost to come. And all you got to do is begin to say, Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. And the next thing you know you're going to be speaking in a tongue in a language that you don't know that's God filling you up with the Holy Ghost that's God refilling you refreshing you, giving you power and strength so as they play as they play, come forward, come on everybody let's let the Holy Ghost fall one more time today, if you've never had it or if you've had it a long long time I want it to fall again today, come on let's do that together as a church family would you lift your hands, would you repent with me today, and would you ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, hallelujah hallelujah, Lord right now I pray over all of us who have heard the word today I pray for all of us who have heard the word today, God we repent collectively before you. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness. Cleanse us of our mistakes. Cleanse us of our faults and failures. We turn our eyes and our hearts to you right now. We turn our mind and our life to you right now. And God, I just worship you right now. I thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for the mercies of God. And I pray right now, God, I give my life to you. And I begin to worship you. That's it. Somebody cry out hallelujah. Cry out, I love you, Jesus. Cry out, I worship you, Jesus. Come on, if there's a child if there's a student, if there's a mom or a dad that wants the Holy Ghost, just begin to worship Him right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's happening, come on, I feel it. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, there's kids with their hands raised. There's moms and dads with their hands raised. There's people with their hands raised. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah. Yeah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church family. Come on, these kids are receiving the Holy Ghost. God's pouring out His Spirit. Come on, He's not done. Can we linger just a few more moments? Can we keep praying? Can you extend your faith one more time? The Holy Ghost is falling today. The Holy Ghost is being poured out today. Come on, let's do it. I wanna run. 